Hey, it's Andrew. Miles is here too. How's it going, Miles? It's going good, Andrew. So as we've been covering COVID-19 and doing all this kind of stuff, we've been trying to keep the ads out of the podcast. But one thing that we did want to mention is that if you want to support local journalism, if you want to support what we're doing here, if these updates have been useful for you, one thing that you can do to help us out right now is to buy something from our shop. We have a really cool shop at doorcountypulse.com slash shop. And there's a lot of really cool stuff on there. Yeah, we have great posters from our art director, Ryan Miller of the Door County state parks we have posters of the door county lighthouses the two volume door county living in pictures books and a lot of other great stuff even stickers like if you buy a sticker all of those purchases go to help support this podcast and the work we do each week with the peninsula pulse sending the news out to every mailbox in the county and we can do all that for free when you do that you're supporting the work we're doing here and the weekly edition of the Peninsula Pulse. Once again, that is doorcountypulse.com slash shop. Thank you for listening to the Door County Pulse podcast. Hello and welcome to the Door County Pulse podcast. I'm Andrew Clyden and I'm joined as always by Miles Danhausen. How's it going, Miles? It's going well, Andrew. How are you doing? I'm doing okay. Uh, it's News has been kind of slowly trickling out over the last couple of days. Uh, I think we should start right away with the numbers and confirmation that Door County has received its second positive case. Now, the the big thing with this is it seems like the cases are starting to jump up because we had our first case and then we had another case confirmed. Uh, but these tests have been done over the past two weeks. So it's not like somebody got tested yesterday and we found out that they were positive. Uh, these are things that have been out there for a while, correct? Yeah, in the case of the first person, it sounds like that was out there for several days, if not a week. And yeah, I mean, not a huge jump or anything for Door County, but well, uh, it it doubled it, miles. Well, <laughs> yeah, from from one to two, um, very small sample size. But for the for the state, it's been going up close to two hundred cases a day now. Almost half of more than half of the state's cases are in that Milwaukee area. Brown County now has seventeen. So that's, they're starting to see some more cases down there as well. And I think that's just going to keep happening. So I'm just curious, like for you, Andrew, as you see, did the first case and now a second case in Door County, how does that change your psyche at all? Or like you and your wife, or does it at all? Well, I'm still of the mindset that like, that COVID-19 has been up here for a long time. Um, for every positive test we get, there's tons of people who probably have it who either aren't hospitalized or their symptoms aren't bad enough to go in or just choose not to get tested or have the virus and don't even feel any symptoms at all. So like from the very beginning, I have been of the mindset that I should be treating it like we have confirmed cases uh, already. So not much has changed for me. And again, seeing one case and then two cases, I didn't like jump into this frenzy of like, oh, now we're going to start seeing cases because I know how many tests Door County Medical Center has given out. And I know that there's a timeline between the test and the positive result. So as long as that number stays down and we don't start talking about next week, there being 10 or 15 or 20 or 30 cases, then I, I'm just going to continue on the way that I've been going with the mindset that there are cases up here and we need to be as careful as possible. Yeah. So you don't, you don't feel like for you personally, it hasn't like changed and made you even more cautious, like going to a grocery store or going to a gas station or anything like that. 
Well, I'll, I'll tell you what I do when I go out and run errands, and you can tell me where you think I sit on the spectrum. So both me and my wife do the same thing. Uh, we wear gloves when we're walking through Target so that we're not physically touching the cart or anything like that. Uh, we hand sanitize before we go in. We put our gloves on. We get our stuff. We go out. Uh, I usually pay with Apple Pay, so I'm not handing anything over to anybody or anything like that. I'm just tapping my phone to the, to the screen. Um, and then when we're out, we hand sanitize again, drop our gloves off in the garbage and head directly home. So that, that's kind of how we've been going about it. Social distancing, staying like six feet or more away from people. If I'm going to turn into an aisle and there's people in it, I'll just go to another aisle and then come back. Like I'm not even brushing (laughs) up against people. Now, I don't know that that seems like a pretty standard response. I don't feel like I am too, too out there in terms of the way that we've been handling it. Uh, but, but how would you say that that kind of lines up in the spectrum? I'd say you're in the, sadly, I'd say you're still in the, the smallest percentage of most cautious, honestly. Um, and I, I'm in the same boat as you. I do the same thing. I put on gloves. If I go to the grocery store, I basically avoid all contact with anyone outside of my wife, my parents, and, uh, our fearless leader, David Elliott here, when I come into the <laughs> office, And I I do, I wipe down my car surfaces probably once a week, maybe with a sanitizer wipe just to be safe. But yeah, I think a lot of people probably aren't as cautious as we are still. There are definitely some who are even more cautious. I think you're going to see more people wearing masks in the days and weeks ahead, especially as it looks like CDC guidance is going to change if it it hasn't already today to say uh, we we're going to recommend that people wear masks and that I'm not trying to say anybody should go out and get the medical mask, but I think what they're saying is um, save those for the, for the healthcare workers, but um, maybe make yourself a cloth mask or wear a scarf over your face. It can't hurt. um, Especially if asymptomatic people are spreading the virus. I Um, would really like to know officially, like from an official source, what masks work and what masks don't. Because early on, there were a lot of people who were like, oh, wear masks and masks sold out online and all of this kind of stuff. But most of them were like uh, dust masks or things like that. And a lot of people were saying that those have zero effect on this. I would really like to have an official guideline to know what types of mask work against COVID-19 or at least help uh, because I would be super down to wear a mask. That's like the one thing that I haven't jumped on outside of the gloves and the wiping things down and everything because I just have heard so many conflicting things about which masks work and which masks don't work. Well, from what I've been reading lately, it's any mask is better than nothing, especially if they think it's spread through aerosol spread. Um, And if you're sick... Like anything to stop you from sending that out. Now, granted, the the R95 masks they have a or N95 masks have a very very tiny holes in them, so it, it, that's why it's able to filter out even more, and that's why healthcare workers need those. Um, my sister down in Chicago, her husband works at Advocate Christ Medical Center, one of the major trauma centers in Chicago. People have started in their neighborhood have just started anonymously dropping. N95 masks off on their front porch. As of yesterday, like they collected 35 masks from neighbors who they're, they're the same mask you might have if you do a lot of woodworking or painting and stuff like that. So people have started dropping those off with notes and say like, thank you notes for the healthcare workers, which is pretty inspiring. Um, now I've also heard things about the N95 masks 
being effective, uh, but only effective if they are fitted correctly to your face. Uh, and then also there's things that can limit its effectiveness, like if you have facial hair or not. Um, so again, more official guidelines I think would be really helpful. Yeah, I do know that I've, there's a few doctors I've spoken to who just went clean shaven, who might normally have a mustache or something like that. They've they've completely shaved that off in part for those reasons. You know, and for the, like what I was reading from some experts the other day is that, you know, even taking a simple cloth homemade mask is going to be better than nothing. It is something uh, a lot of the Asian countries have done for quite some time in part so that it doesn't, like if you are sick, you don't stick out like a sore thumb and scare people. So like everyone wears it in the, these kind of times. Um, they've also worn them in the past for air pollution reasons. Right. Um, and I also saw something yesterday that there is apparently something like 500 million of these masks sitting in private warehouses around the country and we still haven't enacted anything from the government to compel them to sell them. And in fact, I think it's kind of surprising that we haven't done some things to compel p certain companies to sell these items at a fair market value, not at a, like, sure, still make money on it, but some of some people are charging, some hospitals are paying seven, 800 times more, percent more than they used to have to pay for a lot of these things. So instead of 35 cents a mask, they're paying $7. Um, mm. When you think of all the, all the little things government regulates your life right now, I think it should be like, somebody should propose legislation now that says, if you are caught profiteering on any of this, you will, a corporation might face a $50 million fine and a um, year in prison. Just right off the bat, just treat it like war profiteering at this point, because it's, it's pretty pathetic for those who are right. doing that. Well, and hopefully that legislation would, would kick things into gear in terms of pharmaceutical companies jumping up the prices on medicine after this is all said and done with. Right, which we don't seem to care about even when we're not in a pandemic. So maybe it's time to care. <laughs> right. That I guess that that's my big hopeful thing moving forward is that if, you know, of course, this is doing a lot of really terrible things, but if there's a silver lining in all of it, I hope that it allows us to re-examine a bunch of different policies across the board moving forward uh, so that we can change things for the better because we have seen uh, that in a crisis like this, so many different systems start to fail one by one. So hopefully we can strengthen those things moving forward. Another thing you might have no well, I'm not sure if you would have in Egg Harbor, but in Sister Bay, like the Piggly Wiggly now has put up plexiglass at, at their at their checkout lanes to kind of protect their workers and their customers That's uh, between the that interaction. And they've also, Jay Keita said the other night that they will be putting down tape so that even if like people are doing better and better about social distancing throughout this store and in the aisles, but one place they still don't is in the checkout line because people just bunch up next to each other. I, I did it myself the other night and then I realized, oh wait, I got to back off. And but you back off and then it feels like you're giving up your spot in line. <laughs> so uh, they're actually putting tape on the floor so people will stay in their little boxes in the, mm. in the line versus bunching up. So uh, a lot of, a lot of interesting, they have signs all over the place up there. I don't know about elsewhere. I've been to gas stations where they've made sanitizer wipes or rubber gloves available when you go uh, pump your gas. So when I went to target the other day, I saw a lot just like before you even enter, there's probably 25 different signs that have been posted just on the front doors talking about, you know, keep your distance from people, all of this kind of stuff. There are signs posted at the checkout to remind you to like, you know, wait 
six feet back kind of things. Nothing overwhelming to where I was like, oh yeah, cool. Like you could see if you looked for it, uh, but hopefully that becomes a bigger thing moving forward. One other promising note that came out today was that uh, the University of Pittsburgh announced that they have developed a vaccine for the coronavirus that has proven effective in mice, in lab tests. It's a long way from saying we have a vaccine. But um, the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel reported that this morning, and they're trying to fast track that. But even that, they're saying they're, they're hoping they can get this into clinical trials within a month or two. Obviously, there are a lot of potential hurdles between that and a, and a massive release of a vaccine just because of potential side effects and so many different things that can go wrong. Right. And if anybody has tracked any disease closely over time, like if you, like for me, I, I read about Alzheimer's a lot or cancer a lot. So many things that are promising. Every week you read about something that's promising and then it turns out that it's not as effective as hoped. But right. I am hopeful and would love to sit here in September, October and find out that they are fast tracking it and confident in releasing it. But um, I I don't think that would be the case. So Miles, why don't we move on to a couple last things that we wanted to talk about today. Uh, First up, the DNC is being pushed back a month. Yeah, it's a Democratic National Convention going to be in Milwaukee this year. It was scheduled for July 13th to the 16th. That's been pushed back to August 17th. Uh, You know, I feel bad for Milwaukee this summer looked like it was going to be Milwaukee's moment in the sun, both with the Democratic National Convention, putting it on a national stage the new with the new Pfizer Forum. Um, Giannis and the Milwaukee Bucks were going to win the NBA title, which would have put them on the national stage in June. Now, hopefully, the NBA season resumes at some point so we can still see that. But at least for now, it looks like that postponement will... So Milwaukee will still get that moment if if we handle this virus... Uh, well from here on out. Right. Uh, There have been some updates on absentee voting as well. Victoria and I received our absentee ballots in the mail. Uh, And then there's some new changes to deadlines and stuff that people can look forward to as well, correct? Yes, a federal judge, or check that, uh, a judge today um, ordered that there you can now still request an absentee ballot, extended that by a day to tomorrow. So Friday, you can still request an absentee ballot. And those can be returned as late as April 13th and still be counted. So they've made some changes there. And they've also suspended the requirement that you have a witness for your absentee ballot. Just been so many things. Wisconsin is the only state not to make significant changes to their election on pace for Tuesday. Mm -hmm. Many states have postponed those elections in the wake of this coronavirus, some into June. Wisconsin has not so far. The Republican-controlled legislature has not taken that up. And the governor, I think, has been reluctant to use his powers to force that without legislative approval. So as of right now, we're still looking at having thousands of people going to the polls on Tuesday. Fortunately, locally, they've taken a lot of steps to try and make that as sanitary as possible with I think in in Sister Bay, they've talked about doing drive-up voting in the fire station bays. They will have volunteers from the Door County Emergency Support Coalition doing sanitization at the polling places and monitoring people to make sure they keep their their distance, both in line and, and inside the polling places, sanitizing pens, surfaces. It is going to be quite a feat if they're able to pull this off and pull it off safely. Right. Um, should be a very interesting day Tuesday. I know Jill Lau, the county clerk, is 
looking at having a very long day for her poll workers. <laughs> you know, we talked about this with restaurants as well in terms of like services that are being offered during this time that make a lot of sense and you'd like to maybe see moving forward once we've recovered from this. And I, I think it just goes to show like the idea of making it really convenient for people to vote is something that should be in place already. But now with, you know, Increased availability of absentee voting. Governor Evers talking about trying to get absentee voting sent to everybody in the state, uh, like drive up voting, all of this type of stuff. It's like this should this should already be in place. I hope that these things stick even after we've moved on from this. Yeah, maybe this forces the issue on a on a lot of different fronts, just like with business where it's exposed so many workplaces to remote work. And there are challenges there. We've had our challenges here at The Pulse. Yeah. But there's also a lot of things you find out you can do and you can do pretty well. We kind of always have some sort of remote work options in our office. I know for county government, this is a first. And they, from people I've talked to, it's been a struggle because they've never really allowed it before. And now they've got to do it all at once. So honestly, like remote work should be part of any company's emergency management plan anyway. So anybody who hasn't been doing that in the past has probably been behind the eight ball. especially if you're an organization that has to do emergency management planning. A lot of our municipalities are now rapidly being introduced to Zoom and other remote meeting technology for the first time so that they can still meet open meetings laws and conduct village business. If people, if some of these municipalities had gotten accustomed to this years ago, they probably could have continued to have a lot of their committee meetings and kept some business going forward. Now, on the flip side, not saying that everyone should be pushing that business forward right now because everything's so uncertain. But in the future, they'll probably be more able to just kind of adapt and keep operating if there were some sort of emergency. I wonder what this has illuminated about education up here in Door County too, because I'm assuming that Gibraltar has been doing remote learning, correct? Well, they the timing worked out so that Gibraltar closed and they were basically going right into spring break. So now they're coming out of spring break and this is the first week and this is kind of their first experience. We actually have Celeste Benchel following up on that just to find out if, if parents are finding this successful or not and whether there's internet connection problems. That's another big thing that might come out of this if we're, if we're lucky is that we can't tiptoe around the rural broadband issue anymore. Like hopefully this finally makes, yeah, we've, we've done like, we fill in gaps here and there and we just had a round of grants, but like it, they've got to start. Okay. I, maybe I shouldn't say it that strongly opinionated, but why it's not re- regulated like utility and seen the same way as we did phone service. I mean, it, it is right. just as integral now in everybody's life. And in, especially for kids to have the same opportunities and then for safety purposes up here, like having that access is a huge safety issue in If you don't have that in a time like this, when you're holed up in your home, I mean, think of the disadvantage you're put at. So, Right. Yeah, that's kind of what I was getting at with Gibraltar. When they had started talking about e-learning, that was one of the big things is trying to figure out, are our students going to be connected well enough to be able to keep up on e-learning days? And the the nice thing about what they were proposing originally is that there might only be a couple of e-learning days a year, but now we're looking at potentially weeks of school that students are not going to be able to keep up with because they just don't have the connection that they need. And if, if that was, you know, if that wasn't the number one problem looking back at it when Gibraltar first decided to do e-learning, it definitely should be now. Yeah. I mean, that's, they've got to all be facing that. Teachers must be facing that. Um, 
The other thing is uh, a lot of parents must be thinking that they would they would pay teachers anything to take their kids right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, why don't we move on? We have a couple of non-COVID-19 related things to talk about. Uh, I drove through Bailey's Harbor today, stopped into the office to grab something and noticed that the fire station was being torn down. Why is that? Uh, that's COVID-19. Distri- no. Um, the, uh, <laughs> the Bailey's Harbor is building a new fire station. So they are in the demo phases of that fire station um, that's really right across from our offices and right across from the town hall, uh, basically to build a newer, more modern facility that uh, is large enough to handle more modern trucks and equipment. Beginning phases of that going on in Bailey's Harbor now, I think it, the new one will be built in the same location. They decided not to move it to the sports complex, which was the debate for a little while. But yeah, it'll still be in the same spot, but new building, bigger building, better facility. I'm not sure what the timeline is for it, though. Right. I'll follow, so, I'll follow up. I'll have that down the road. So yesterday was April Fool's Day, and there wasn't a lot of April Fool's Day stuff going around that I noticed. A lot of uh, big companies and stuff kind of playing it safe and being like, eh, we're not really going to do anything this year. Uh, that being said, we usually do a special issue of The Pulse called The Repulse, which is full of April Fool's Day articles. Uh, we still did that this year. It is just a very reduced version, uh, and that should be coming out to people tomorrow, correct? <laughs> Yeah, you'll find that in this Friday's edition. Uh, folks in Northern Door and our longtime readers will be familiar with that. If uh, you are one of those in Southern Door and Sturgeon Bay who have only recently started receiving the pulse, be on the lookout. Don't take it too seriously. And uh, don't take it as truth. There is yeah. one. This one, this is the one time I will say this phrase because otherwise this phrase is nobody should be speaking it because it, it's not helpful for our democracy right now. But in this case, with the repulse page in the pulse, that is fake news. Yes. Uh, we, we wanted to have a little bit of fun, inject some humor into uh, the newspaper this year, continue on with our repulse tradition. So uh, hopefully people enjoy reading that. Uh, we've also been hard at work on coming up with some new video content for everybody. Hopefully we'll have something to show pretty soon. Uh, that will be kind of uh, a weekly roundup of news, but then some entertainment as well. Everybody on the film work side of the staff has been working hard on producing video content for you guys. So uh, hopefully you'll be seeing some more of that soon. Soon, and we'll be able to uh, interject some video entertainment as well as some more uh, reporting, uh, a little bit more direct reporting or creative reporting as we're able to go along. Miles, uh, is there anything else that people need to know about today before we wrap up? Well, I would just uh, uh, pick up, picking up on what you had just talked about with the video is if you're sitting at home and you're bored and you're looking for some interesting content, we actually do have a lot of great content out there on YouTube uh, Door County related stories, a lot of historical documentaries, mini documentaries, five minutes, six minutes, some 10 to 12 minutes. You can find those at um, a lot of them we've produced in conjunction with the Door County Visitor Bureau, now Destination Door. So the Outdoor County series, there's three, four years worth of videos that tell a lot of different stories about Door County history that if you haven't seen them, now is a great time to kill some of that time when you're sitting at home um, and check out those videos. And Andrew has done a lot of the work on almost all of those videos. Andrew and Brett Kosmider and Sir Sam Kersevit have done some amazing work with that. So check them out. They, they do nothing if you don't watch them. 
Yeah, we uh, we really ramped up our Pulse video content at the beginning of the year. That has slowed down a little bit in the last three weeks. Kind of uh, tough we, to go out and interview people on video right now. And, and yeah, get close you can't enough, really huh? interview people. There's not a lot that you can do uh, just by yourself. Sam Kersabit has been going out and bike riding and trying to be as active as he can. That's a huge part of his life. So he's still trying to do that. But we are also still in that weird part of the year where there's nothing that you can really do. There's no more snow on the ground, so you can't do any like winter activities but it's not warm enough to get out on the water really so it's just kind of that weird time of year we really struggled to find a pretty picture to put on the cover of the pulse this week because we were we found one we found a um some buds coming out that actually worked pretty good but even through monday or tuesday it was like there's not enough blossoms to have a pretty picture we don't want to go with just another sunset we want to think spring want to brighten people's days. And there was just, it was so much gray and rain and, and fog the last couple of weeks that, um, yeah, it took us a while to find something that would work. Um, right. you know, speaking of gray and, and fog, I've been each morning, I take my dog for a walk and my wife and I, um, hit our little kind of country block and just throwing this out there for people who are looking for ideas of things to do that can be helpful and maybe feel like they're making a small contribution right now. I've been picking up trash in the ditches and just in the little like mile that we do, I've probably picked up four bags and I probably got a couple more bags worth of trash to pick up. And um, I think it'd be great if people stepped outside and just started cleaning up Door County right now before everything grows and, and that trash is covered up again or cut up by the... the um, county workers who who cut the grass in the ditches but get some gloves on be smart about it but there is a lot of trash out there right now and it's kind of gross so yeah not a bad idea to start maybe a trash bag challenge on the pulse <laughs> facebook page and just both like hey how many bags of trash can you pick up this weekend yeah <laughs> well i think that's about going to do it for us today thank you so much for chatting with me miles and i look forward to chatting with you again tomorrow thank you andrew talk to you tomorrow